uh, Skullboys. The Street Press Podcast with Sean Fraser. For a start, there are not enough white men doing podcasts. I've got to always support that when that comes along. I was talking to a mate today at a baby queue. We didn't cook a baby. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that yeah. was. I just want to thank you. Yeah, no, it was me. He wouldn't shake our hand until he finished putting on his glove. Imagine what he's like during the pandemic. <laughs> well, I got you here for the podcast after your big night last oh. night, so I'm stoked with that. I get a thrill knowing that you're doing what you're doing. That's good. Well, I don't know what I'm doing today. We're just sort of just winging it. Did you moon Kylie Minogue? Yeah. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Street Press Podcast. My name is Sean Fraser. Far out, second last episode of the year. I can't believe the time is here. Christmas is this weekend on Sunday. Pretty cool. I'm about to have three weeks off um, my job. I think I'm going to keep this podcast going in the new year. Well, yes, I will be. Um, I've got plenty of interviews lined up for the new year, which is really, really exciting. But uh, having three weeks off from work, cannot wait for that. Just going to be relaxing, sitting around, watching the cricket and playing music and listening to music. It's going to be a very enjoyable time. It's been a long year, but it's been a great year, actually, getting this podcast together and uh, getting this out to all of you has been honestly one of the best things that I've uh, I've done this year. So uh, thanks for listening. It's not like it's going anywhere. Every Wednesday we're dropping these. So here's cheers to 2023. But like I said... Two episodes still to go today and next week. Uh, this week, country star Bryce Sainty is on the show. Um, this one was cool. I, I sort of hit him up. I, I know Bryce. He comes from the same town I do, and I know his brother and I know his dad quite well. His dad was my old footy coach. And I hit him up and said, mate, it's about time that I get you on the show um, he was definitely on my short list when I got this thing together and, uh, he was more than happy to do it. I hit him up and, uh, within like three or four hours, he was at my house <laughs> in my kitchen and I had all the, uh, the microphones set up and, and, uh, yeah, interview just sort of happened very easy. It's a very free flowing chat. Bryce and I, I find that we're, we're very similar in a, in a lot of ways. Uh, we both do the solo acoustic stuff. We've played in bands before similar sort of age as well. Um, so I had him on and we speak about a bunch of stuff. We speak about his dad, how he, how his dad used to be my old footy coach. We talk about how Bryce accidentally took COVID to a festival. Um, some people take bottles of water. Some people take, um, sandwiches. Bryce took COVID. Um, it was an accident. It was an accident though. <laughs> Sorry, bros. Uh, we also talk about changing styles, reinventing yourself as a musician. If you do this long enough, if you play songs and you write music long enough, you know, you have different life experiences, you get older, you get greyer, uh, and your music changes too. So we chat about that. We also speak about, it gets very serious. We talk about the loneliness that can come from being a solo artist. Now, it's a lot of fun playing music. It's a lot of fun playing shows. It's great writing songs at home. When you're doing it all on your own and you're doing it on your own for a long time, it can get lonely. So we talk about uh, a bit of that. And overall, I think this one's quite biographical. We talk about the start of his career and uh, where he ends up playing with um, some huge names in the music industry. So let's get him on. Country music star, a friend of mine, soon to be a friend of yours too, Bryce Sainty. All right, Bryce Sainty, in, in the house, literally in my house. How in are you? House. I'm good. How are you? <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Thanks for um, helping me with the whole setup. So basically, uh, Bryce rocked up to the door and um, I had my set up and uh, everything that he had in his car was better than what I had. So thank you for that. No. 
<laughs> no worries at all. It's just like one of these things. I was like, oh, I've got I've got this in the car if you wanted to use yeah. it. And I was like, well, let's get it going. <laughs> I'm sitting there thinking, oh, maybe we'll just use everything in your car. <laughs> How have you been? You going all right? Yeah, I've been pretty good. And yourself? Yeah, pretty good. That's good. Um, just doing this thing, the the, uh, the old podcast. And it's great. Last night had a big concert. Mingara, uh, Chris is under the stars. Huge crowd. Yeah, great night. Awesome. I've done it. Um, done it a few years now, and uh, it's always kind of like a a great way to kind of cap off the the year and just uh, kick off the Christmas season for me. So it's kind of like a little bit of a nice. It's normally my last gig before Christmas, so it's like, ah, oh, cool. I can just. Christmas, once that gig's over, it's like Christmas is here now. So yeah, you it's can good. enjoy it. You can yeah. enjoy it. It's really cool to see you playing in front of so many people. And, and um, um, how did it all start, you know, back in the day? What was it like? Were you playing in the coffee shops? What's the Bryce Saney story? Yeah, so I've, I've definitely played in lots of different places. Um, some great places and some not so great places, but I think that's all that's all part of the journey. Um, but yeah, no, I started um, playing um, around the Central Coast area, just anywhere that would kind of have me. So it was like, yeah, a few coffee shops and like some surf clubs and some things like that. And then from there, um, I got onto a booking agent and then started playing some pubs and clubs when I turned 18 and then just kind of built and grew from there. And the style, you obviously love your country. Where did that love come from? Uh, were, were you brought up on it or is it something you went out and ventured and found on your own? Um, I wasn't really brought up on it. It's something that I kind of discovered when I was maybe about like 12 or 13. I actually um, used to steal my old brother's uh, music collection all the time, so steal his CDs and everything like that. And I was never one that was really kind of into music. It was just, it was around, but it wasn't anything crazy. I came from a very sporting family. Um, and I found a, a Keith Urban record um, one of his early ones and it was the first time I kind of listened to music and I was like oh my god like what is this this is incredible and I was getting um I just started getting guitar lessons at the time and so I took it to my guitar teacher and I was like I want to learn all these solos I want to learn all this stuff like this is crazy and then I just kind of fell into it from there but I think the main thing that I really like about it is the storytelling I like writing songs and telling stories and and that's just like the kind of core of country music is the stories. I'd say more so out of all the songwriting out there, it's like the country stuff really hits home for people when they listen. It's like it's like almost the one genre that talks straight to the heart. Yeah, it's one of these things where like there is so many different kind of subgenres inside country music, especially today. There's like hundreds of subgenres inside of country music, but yeah, like you said, right at the core of them is the lyrics that really kind of they tell that story. They they're relatable. They hit to the heart. It's it's all that kind of stuff all rolled into um in into the genre, and that's yeah, that's what I love about it. You were talking about um just earlier about you're from a sporting family, so what a lot of people definitely wouldn't know is your dad was my uh, my old footy coach. Yeah, you, you big rugby league family. Do you, do you still love rugby league? Yeah, still love rugby league. It was um yeah I you know I grew up the dream was to be a rugby league player. That's just that was the family I grew up in, and it wasn't until probably I think it was like the under thirteens or fourteens when I we had the off season, and you know everyone just goes about their business, and then you come back and you meet your team when the season starts back up again, and Everybody else had grown, a few of the players got beards and here I am, just nothing had changed since the last season, this tiny little kid. And I always played halfback anyway, so I was always quite small compared to everyone else. And then I think I played about two two games that season and just got, like, it took me almost the whole week to recover and I was like, no, nah, everybody else is way too big for me. This is just, I'm getting smashed every week. So, yeah, it was time to move on. So... I reckon our stories would be very similar because I was out there playing and I'm the smallest guy out there and I took this hit from a guy from uh, the North Lakes, broke my shoulder um, 
and all the boys were getting too big at this stage. And then I went, this footy thing, I love it, but it's not for me. And I will not want to break my shoulder again. And that's when I found guitar. Were you, did you find guitar around the same sort of... Yeah, it was kind of like one thing kind of took over the other almost. So, yeah, I was just like full... Um, you know, we, we were swimmers as well. So, like full swimming, full rugby league, the whole 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 thing all the way through. And then, yeah, as kind of rugby league pulled back, I I got more into guitar and singing and, and that kind of just like almost like replaced it. Um, and the beauty of being a singer is, uh, you know, it's very, very unlikely that you're going to get tackled on stage. <laughs> I've seen that happen, but it's very unlikely. It does happen. <laughs> very, very rarely does it happen. Yeah. Um, actually, one, one last story from rugby league and we'll move back onto the music. I remember... I was with your brother, we were in the same team, and we got pulled into the sheds at half time. I think we were getting thrashed by someone, and your dad, obviously the coach. And I remember him, I didn't really know how to play rugby league, but I loved it. But I remember your dad, <laughs> I remember your dad saying, Sean, you know, you, you're playing dummy half, you've got to stand where the dummy half stands. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. And then, um, you know, as we we're walking out, I said to one of the players, I was like, so where have I got to stand? <laughs> so I had no idea how to play, and he was dead right. It probably wasn't for me anyway. <laughs> Yes, no. Um, he's he's a very intense, um, intense coach. There oh, he's was a great a, coach. Yeah, a great coach. It's very good at it. I know that there was um, before before he started coaching us. He used to coach uh, first grade, and ah. um, I remember. Well, I don't remember. I just remember the story because I don't think I was born at the time. But uh, my mum actually made him give it away because he went so red on the sideline during a game that an ambulance came because they thought he was having a heart attack. And I was like, this guy just bleeds the game. And so, yeah, it was – then he stepped back to junior footy. So (laughs) probably a little less less intense, but – but yeah, so it's it's definitely you know, like you said, it's just ingrained in, especially mm. on the Central Coast culture. It's like it's it's yeah. a sporting, sporting town, sporting. He's very uh, well place. respected. We love Rob. We do. <laughs> <laughs> um, songwriting. What is it about songwriting? Um, what was the first song that you wrote, and how did it make you feel doing that? Yeah, so the first song I wrote was pretty trash. Um, <laughs> and I can say that was really bad. Yeah. So I remember. Like a songwriting is something I always wanted to do and it's, I feel like um, the way I kind of learnt guitar, it was just really I learnt singing. Um, like I didn't get actual professional singing lessons until way later on, but I I just used to sing every time I played guitar and that's all I wanted to do. And then from there, I just kind of started making up my own stuff with my favourite chords and things like that. And so I kind of progressed from there. And then the first song I ever wrote was to impress a girl, um, as you do. As you do. It didn't work. It was fine. Right, bugger. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that's kind of where it all started. And then from there, it just turned into this thing where I found it was a really good place to vent, um, tell stories and, and things that maybe I just didn't want to share, like in a conversation, I could put it into, into a song. And I found that that was an easier thing to do. And same thing, like when it came to like public speaker or anything like that, I'm terrible at public speaking and things like that. It's just not my cup of tea vibe at all. But if... But if I had to get up and do something, I would get up and play a song because I found that way, yeah. way more comforting um, and, and a lot easier. A lot of singers are a bit introverted, you know, yeah. like love to get up on stage. But once you've had your 45 minutes to an hour or whatever, most singers I know, they're not really out there and jumping around and want, want you know, want to be the centre of attention, although they are centre of attention for, you know, 45 to an hour. Um, is that is that how you find yourself? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think it's one of those things. It's, it's like what you just said. It's... When you're on stage, it just feels like a whole different thing, especially if you've got like a band or whatever like that. It's that energy through the music that's kind of bring everything out. And then when it's 
just you kind of talking. It's just like a totally different headspace. And I found it quite difficult um, at times to talk between songs and, you know, build or like get my personality across with the audience. Um, I found that quite hard. Um, and it was something that I was kind of criticized on, especially early on as about like, yeah, it's great. You're getting up there and seeing the songs, but like, you know, you've got to get the audience to, to get to know you and like you, you know, and fall in love with you, not just your music. So being able to kind of express that, um, I found quite hard um, at the start and I've definitely got a lot better and a lot more comfortable at it now, but it's still something that I don't find totally natural. Yeah, I suppose people pay for the ticket, they want to see the music, but if you can, you know, jam up in between songs, it, it, it always helps, yeah. but not everyone's like that and it's hard to cop that criticism early on, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It definitely was and I, and I found it like quite difficult because like I wasn't one for talking on stages and things like that just wasn't wasn't my cup of tea at all like I would say the songs in between kind of thing but I wouldn't really kind of go into detail tell stories and then I found that a lot of people were like you should script it out which was the worst thing (laughs) so I can't like if you give me a script to read what will end up happening is okay okay cool I've memorized that and then I'll get up on there on stage and something will throw me but then I'll be like no I've got to say it as per the script Whereas now I've learned to go, all right, this is roughly what I want to talk about in between these two. And I find that way I can just be my natural self and have a conversation with the audience rather than going, all right, I need to say this, 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 and in this order and with these words kind of thing. It can be a bit robotic if you're sort of... Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, and, and people can catch that. They, they know. <laughs> they like, I'll probably be like, yeah, he wrote all that down. Yeah. But it's always good to have just dot points, I think. Is every gig a learning curve still for you, even even this far into your career? Yeah, definitely always learning. I think um, I think everyone everyone is. There's always places and, and spaces to learn. There's so many different things. I find that I'm constantly learning. And if I find myself kind of get stagnant, especially um, a couple of years ago where I was just like really just pumping out um, covers gigs every weekend, like three, four a weekend and just doing the same songs every weekend over and over, I got a bit kind of complacent as far as like progression was concerned. Like I felt like, yeah, cool. It's good to have these gigs. They're great money earners, but like I'm just doing the same thing over and over again. Nothing's getting any better. I'm not pushing myself any harder. I'm not doing anything. So that's when I, I try and change things up a little bit. So at the time um, I ended up buying a looper and adding that in. I was like, how can I make these shows better? So I started with like a stomp box and it just wasn't for me. I was like, I don't know how people do it. Like you just burns your calf. I'm like, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how people do it at all. I was like, this is not for me. I was like, so how can I get this stomp going repetitively? And I was like, I'll get a looper. And then I realized you can't stomp and loop at the same time because yes, you don't have right. two feet. Oh, well you do have two feet, but you need a third one to actually stand on. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I found that as well. I found that exact same thing. I caved to the pressure. They were like, oh, you know, you need a beat behind you if you're playing uh, solo on your own and mm. I bought the Bigfoot stomp box and then I was like kicking it at a gig and I was like oh this sounds cool and then I had the looper already and I'm like okay so now I'm gonna oh hang on a second yeah I've run, I've run out of feet <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so that was interesting and now what I've done is I've got like a I've just played around with a lot over the years um and I ended up just buying myself a new looper um this year actually um I used to have the RC 300 so the big one and then they just released the RC 600 which is got way more features but form factor wise it's like half the size and a quarter of the weight so that's been nice to kind of just reinvent and get kind of back into um which has been cool and then yeah now to create the beat what i do is i actually use a secondary microphone and i use the guitar to bass filter on the mic 
Um, and then I go like, I do like the boom or the boom ch- or something like that. But then when you got that bass filter on there, it just sounds like a huge drum. That is cool. So I'm like, this is great. So yeah. Okay. I'm just, I'm taking note. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you've done a lot of things that uh, a lot of musos wish they did. Uh, you have recorded in Nashville, haven't you? Uh, I haven't recorded in Nashville. I've written lots in Nashville. You've written in I remember yep. seeing that this is probably way pre-pandemic sort of stuff. Was that when you were heading? Yeah. So it's actually been a while since I've been over there, yeah. which um, is a little bit sad. So yeah, the last time I was over there was in 2017. And then yeah. at that time, that was, I think, my third or fourth consecutive year in a row um, that I'd gone over for a big chunk of time. Um I was going over about three months or so each time because, like, that's pretty much how long you can go over there on the, the free visa. Um, of course, yeah. And when I came back the last time, we ended up skipping a year because I was like, all right, what we're going to do is we're going to save, let's move. Um, so we skipped 2018, 2019, halfway through 2019. We're like, okay, cool, now I've got enough money, let's do it. And I know what's Started the visa process and everything like that and then – the world changed. Um, so we were going to move over in January. Um, that year, everything started to close down in uh, end of 2019. And obviously like all the reports that were coming out of America were just like, it was terrible. And we're like, what do we do? Our lease is up. Um, so we actually ended up buying, like using that money and buying a house over here, which, which I'm happy about. I'm really happy about. And, um, we've got a really nice place set up, which is really cool, but it's, it's definitely like something that we, it's kind of difficult to say. I don't really know what the future is going to hold. Um, we've got plans to go back um, this, hopefully this year, but it's it's one of those things where I, I don't know if I see myself moving over there anymore now. Like all my family's over here, all my wife's family's over here. We've got um, nieces and nephews now, so things have just changed a little bit um, in the last kind of like three years or so. So it'll be interesting to see. I'm definitely going to be um, frequently visiting there, but I, I'm not 100 percent sure whether or not moving there is um, the right option anymore. Yeah, it changed a lot of things for, for people, didn't it? I mean, it, was, it came at a crucial time in my life and obviously it happened at the same time for you. It's like this pandemic just came at the wrong time. Mm. Um, had it come later, that would have been good, but it didn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wish it never came at all. Um, what are you learning when you're doing these writing classes over in Nashville? Sort of, Who are you working with? Tell me about that process. Yeah, so I've got um, a, quite a strong network now of writers that I like to write with over there. And probably one of the, the uh, very small amount of benefits that came from the pandemic is the fact that um, you don't have to be in town anymore to write with them. Yes, yeah. Which has been great. So um, that used to not be a thing. It used to be like if you weren't in town, you didn't get a writing session. It was as simple as that. Whereas now they're um, they're a lot more open to Zoom rights and things like that. So I've done – honestly, I actually couldn't tell you the last time I wrote something in person with someone. Um, everything's just been over Zoom wow. since then, um, which is which is great. Like it was a bit weird at the f- at the start, but now I'm actually curious to see what it would be like writing in the same room with someone again. Yeah, I think that yeah. – I might find that weird again. But um, – yeah, so how it all came about was the first time I went over there, my producer, Rod, he just gave me some contacts and said, just try out these publishing houses and see how you go. And I just started messaging around and a few of them said, yeah, cool, I've got some writers. And then then I went to a couple of writers rounds over there um, and just met some other writers, got brought up on a couple of those rounds. And then from there, just kind of built up a network over the years from there, which was really cool. And then um, like now, uh, if I want to write with someone, I, I either get up super early um, like my EP, for instance, uh, that came out at the start of this year, a whole stack of those songs were written um, over Zoom uh, with people in Nashville, but like 
from my house. Um, yeah. And we wrote those at like, I think it was like four or five a.m. starts. <sighs> and we'd just get up and we'd, I'd just write. And then it was, it was really interesting because um, you'd write the song and then you just get on with your day. And we were doing this all like two or three times a week um, for about four or five week period just because I wanted to build up a big catalogue of songs to then look at for recording. And um, yeah, it was interesting. We There were so many songs that I kind of skipped over because we just wrote them so early and it was just like, all right, that is what it is kind of thing. And then... It's like, did it happen in your sleep kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, yeah. And you just forget about it. And then when we went in the studio, we were listening to all like the demo, like just like the work tapes from the thing. And I was like, oh man, I totally forgot we wrote this song. This is a great <laughs> song. And then that ended up making it in. And so it was, but it was a really cool experience. And, and I love writing with people over there. And um, I really love the town and all that. And I can't wait to go back. Um, it's definitely, yeah. It's definitely on my list to go back uh, very soon um, yeah. now that things have kind of opened up, which is great. Kevin Shirley, who did uh, Frog Stomp, he's a you know, big-time producer. He, uh, he's been doing a lot of Joe Bonamass stuff and mm-hmm. uh, he's been getting up, you know, 2 a.m. just so that they can get that connection yeah. on the Zoom and stuff. So it is wild what you've got to do to get these songs happening. When you're writing, are you writing for you or are you writing for others or is it always for you? Uh, it totally depends. So I do a strong mix of both. Um, probably last like two or three months has been like just for me because I, I – um, I'll be jumping in the studio in January. So um, I've just been working really hard on getting some stuff for me, but all in amongst that, I've been writing for a whole stack of other artists as well. So I've had um, this year, I've had, I think it was two cuts um, from other artists that were released. One of them um, went really well in the country charts, which was great. Um, and then I've got another one. Um, they've sent me the recording a couple of weeks ago. So that'll come out next year, which is great. So I'm getting a fair few cuts with some other people, um, which is great. Yep. It always keeps things going and, and I feel like um, songwriting is a really kind of big passion of mine so I really do like writing for other people um, as well. So, And it, and it kind of challenges your brain a little bit to get in a, into their headspace instead of your own. Um, Think about what they would want to yeah. sing, what words they would like, how they would like to do an inflection, that sort of stuff. Yeah, and you're also just kind of helping them tell their story, um, which is really cool. Um, so, yeah, I've really enjoyed that as well as, yeah, just being like – smashing like my writing sessions at the moment for myself which is which has been a lot of fun i spoke to khalid from wild rivers Mm -hmm. they're a a folk band from canada but he spends a lot of time in nashville and uh he told me this thing the other week and it blew me away it's the most simple thing and i'm sure you already know about Mm. it but he says before they write songs and sit in a writing session they sit down and just chat they don't yeah I see, I never do this. Ah, and it's so easy. It's just the most simple thing. And he, the way he explains it, how you just sit there and go, what's on your mind? What's on your mind? And someone might go, nothing. I got nothing this week. And then yeah. the other guy might go, oh, well, you know, I was at a bar and, you know, this, I tried it on this chick. She said, no, go away, whatever. You know, yeah. that, that sort of scenario or something. And, and they write a song about it. But uh, it's such a simple process. But um, I reckon it's such a cool thing. So that's this, that's what you guys do? Yeah, definitely. So I think it's really, um, really important, especially if I'm writing for somebody else, like I was saying before, to kind of get in their headspace. The first thing I do is like, tell me a bit about you, like if I don't know much about them or tell me what's going on in your life at the moment. What have you been up to recently? And just have that, you know, five-minute conversation because you never know what you're going to get out of that. Um, And then if you don't get anything that kind of relates to the song, they might go, I've got this song idea. And they give you whatever song idea it is. Then I, then I always go, okay, cool. Let's tell me about that idea. Let's talk to me about it. Like, tell me the story behind that. Like, if they're like just as simple as, oh, I really want to write a love song about my boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever it might be, then I'll be like, okay, cool. Tell me about them. 
Tell me, yeah. oh, what type of dates do you guys like to go on? What, what have you done? Like, how long have you been together? Like, you know, have you traveled? Have you, you know, do you guys go to the movies all the time? Do you go, yeah. like, what, what kind of things you've done? And so then in my brain, I'm kind of piecing together the storybook that is their, their relationship or whatever it might be for this example. And, um, and then when we go to ride, I find it a lot easier to be in their space and I'm not putting, like, my relationship or my things into their song. Yeah. I'm grabbing theirs, which is important for two reasons. One, it helps them get their idea out, which is ideally, you know, why they've come to do a co-writing session um, to really kind of boost whatever thought or process it is they've got. Um, but then the other thing, too, is from a business standpoint, you really want to be able to tell their story the way that they want it to be told because then they're more likely to sing it, they're more likely to cut it, they're more likely... You know what I mean? So yeah. for, for multiple reasons, you really want to make sure that they're getting their story across. Your process, how do you do a demo? You've got your voice memos and your phone, and a lot of people tell me that. Mm-hmm. Where do you get started? Um, so I have kind of interesting processes with demos. It really depends on who I've written with. So um, a lot of the times I'll write with my producer. I've written a lot with him, um, either like just the two of us or a three-way or a four-way, depending on who else we're kind of brought into it. So it just really kind of depends. If I'm writing with him, I don't tend to do up a demo at all because he's got a better thought process of where, like the musicality, and he knows my music really well. So he knows where the music's going anyway. So we don't even really need to do up a demo. There'll just be kind of like a little work tape at the end of it where it's just someone's just laid down a quick acoustic yep. vocal thing or whatever, nothing exciting most of the time into a phone and then we just start from there. Um, but if I haven't written with the particular song with him, normally I'll go in and I'll... If I haven't done a demo for it, I'll show him the work tape and then I'll probably show him about four or five songs that are currently out or whatever and I'll be like, all right, I want it this this vibe for this section, this vibe for this, this for this and then we just kind of sit there and just have a conversation for about an hour or so before we even start doing anything. How long have you been working with him for? Uh, 11 years. 11 years? Yes. That's a long time. That is a long time. I'm a very loyal soldier, I am. No. <laughs> is, it, is it always... Uh... Happy sailing? Always. Uh, really? There's yeah. never any... Uh... No, never. never. There's never really been any kind of conflict. Well, not for mine anyway. I'm not sure what he says behind my back. <laughs> I'll have to get him on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what do you think of this girl? <laughs> no, we've, um, we've just had a great relationship over the years, um, at least from my standpoint anyway. Um, yeah. And I've found that he's just been really great to work with. And that, that's been... Um, you know, a few times where I've kind of changed musical direction and he's been more than happy to to, to jump on that and, and give it a crack and, and see kind of where, where it ends up. But I am a loyal person and I find that when I find someone that I trust and I trust him wholeheartedly with my music, then I, I just don't see the reason why I would kind of want to go anywhere else. Like I just know that when we're recording stuff, he's got my best interests. Yeah, and that's... that's and he everything. knows the industry. He yeah. knows it really well. Um, he's helped me out with, like I say, he's my producer, but I would also call him like a mentor, um, a friend, a manager at times, a booking agent at times, <laughs> like just all this all this stuff. Um, he's hooked me up with so many different connections. Um, he's the one that introduced me to Fender and got my Fender endorsement. He's the one that introduced me to those writers over in Nashville the first time I went over yeah. there. Um to all sorts of different stuff. I mean, and I know that anytime I, you know, if I'm having trouble with something or whatever, I just give him a call. And he, he, if he doesn't know the answer, which is very rare, he'll, he'll be like, you need to speak to this person. They'll help you sort it out kind of thing. So, um, it's a pretty good, pretty good bond. I yeah. mean, and I think a lot of musicians would wish that they'd have something like that, you know? 
Yeah, and I think being like a, a independent artist, it's a very lonely journey. And as I'm sure you, yeah, you would totally understand. Yeah. You, a lot of the time, you just feel like you're in it on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, and to have that consistency of that one person that I've kind of had from the start all the way through has been really, really helpful. Over the years, I've tried to build up bigger teams, um, and they've worked for little pieces of time, um, but nothing has kind of lasted that whole period of time. It is, like you said, it can be a lonely journey and uh, there's some days you're, you're on top of the world when you release songs and mm. sometimes you, your expectations aren't met. Is that the same with – that's how I feel. Yeah. Is that the same with you? Sometimes you – you know, like I'll release a song and, I, and I'll get a great reaction from everyone and I'll just be on a high for a, for a week. Mm. I'll be like, yes. And then I'll go, well, let's release another one in six to eight weeks. And then six to eight weeks comes around and I'm like, mm, not the same reaction this time. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a hundred percent like that. It's like it is so up and down. It's yeah. just crazy. And yeah, there's been a million times where I'm like, I'm gonna quit. That's it. Like, why? Yeah, you've why thought about I, it. Why am I even bothered doing this? I even I even got to the stage at one point. I was like, that's it. I'm just. I'm like, I'm bleeding money. I'm not mm. like. I, nothing is working. Like it just. There's nothing like. At the time, I was like, I have no fans. Like, no one would care if I'd stopped doing music. No one even knows who I am. No, like, what? Like, no one's listening to these songs. Does anybody even care? This was like felt so kind of thing. Wow. I was like, that's it. I'm just gonna go and get like a normal person job. So I went and I applied for a job at NAB in Sydney and got it. I only applied for one job. I got it, and I was. It's one of these things. I was so stressed out because I accidentally um, there was a typo in my phone number on the resume. And I was like, so I spent like a week after the job just like trying to ring up to get to that specific department to tell them that this was my phone number. Anyway, so and I was freaking out, freaking out. And then I got the call and the job came through and they said, you know, you've got the job, blah, blah, whatever. And I and I don't know what came over me, but I said, thank you very much, but I'm going to have to decline. And I was like, I just couldn't do it. Yeah. And yeah. there's been a few times where I've gone, I just, I just can't, I just can't continue on with this. It's too, like, it's just, it's so hard, so lonely process kind of thing. And I'm like, that's it. I'm just going to go and just try and find like, and just, this isn't obviously meant to be. And every time I've gone to leave it, I, I haven't been out. I haven't been able to take that final step and actually just leave. I'm, I'm, like, so, I'm so glad you've never done that. And I'm sure there's, oh, there's heaps of people out there that are glad you, you didn't do that. What is it that, that comes over you just as, as Nab's about to yeah. <laughs> reel you in yeah. for, a, for a nine to five? I don't know. I think it's just like, I just, I love it so much. And I feel like it's just one of these things that I was born to do. It's just, I've never felt more like at home and more comfortable creating music. And I just feel like it's just something that I was supposed to do. And so anytime I feel like I kind of venture away from that for whatever reason, I'm like, what, what, what am I doing? This is mm. taking me away from what I want to do and what I'm supposed to be doing. But then there are, like you said, there are other times when like, you know, you get a stack of rejections or a release comes out and it doesn't do what you want it to do. And you sit there and you just go, well, am, am I just kind of like fooling myself into this? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I do find it hard. I hate release day. It's the worst day for me. <laughs> Anxious, uh, yeah. I I'll stay up till midnight. I'll check for the playlists to see if it makes it in a playlist, and then after that, I'll go to bed. And then I just spend the day, honestly, just pottering around because it's like you. There's so much emotion and everything built up to that day, from like the moment that you kind of come up with the idea through to writing the song, through to recording it, and everything like that. The process all the way through, 
And then you get to the actual release day, and there's yeah. not actually much you do on release day. That's right. You, you sit there and you wait for you what? You sit there, and what are you waiting for? <laughs> and most of the time, it's on a Friday, so everyone I know is at work. Yeah. So I'm just sitting there for like, you know, six, seven hours of the day, just going, what do I do with my time? So I'm really bad on release day. I, I don't like it at all. And for those who, uh, who might be listening that uh, don't release music and, you know, just listening to this podcast for the fun of it, it's almost like uh, when, when, when the song doesn't go off the way you want it to, it's like going uh, New Year's Eve. Going to the fireworks, right? And then just they're like just some little piddly thing that pops off and nothing <laughs> yeah. happens. Just that's one, just the only one image I've got. <laughs> yeah. And then that's what it's like. And you're like, oh, okay, well, better luck next year. Yeah, it can be rough. And you can be brutal on yourself. I'll tell you what, though, uh, my mate, well, uh, colleague as well, uh, he sent me a text once. He uh, He's lucky enough to have a house in Sydney and a holiday house on the Central Coast. And um, he, he was... He wrote so he's a, not a musician, man. <laughs> no, no, he's not at all. Uh, lucky bastard. Um, but he sent me a text and he, he gave me two names. He said, um, Chelsea Berman mm-hmm. and Bryce Taney. And I said... I know Bryce. Bryce is like, I know him. He must have been listening to, to one of the uh, channels or uh, yeah. one of the music videos or something like that. So there, there are lots of random people out there that are saying your name. That's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. And Chelsea, she's a friend of mine and yeah. I actually wrote some of her songs um, oh, that go. she's released. So yeah. So this year, how, how have you fared this year with, with you know, the songs and the, and the gigs? Obviously last night was a cracker. Um, Tamworth Music Festival, were you booked for that one this year? I know it's sort of... Um, yeah, I was there in April. Yeah. Um, so for like this year's technical one, but the one in January, I'm actually not going. Okay. Um, so first time I haven't gone um, in a while. Yeah. Multiple reasons, um, but a lot to do with uh, just, I don't really have any new music out and I'm kind of in between at the moment and I've got a whole stack of new stuff um, coming out next year, but I really wanted to just give the music some space and myself some space to just kind of figure out where I wanted my career to go to next. I'm kind of coming off like a really big high of two massive years for me. So 2021 was an incredible year for releases and streaming and different playlists and just, just furthering my career. And then 2022, I started the year off um, with the EP coming out. I had a show that I booked in Tamworth, which was like a writer's round, which is kind of like the Nashville style where there's like yep. four people on stage. I just booked the venue and I spoke to my producer and I was like, I want to put on like a writer's show. And he's like, yeah, like, who do you, who do you think we should get? And I was like, oh, look, I don't know. Like, you know, and I started, you know, naming some artists and he goes, oh, I think we can go a bit bigger than that. He goes, let me just reach out and see, see who might be interested. So we ended up getting um, myself and Rod played on it. Um, and then we had Tim Friedman from the Whitlam's. <sighs> And then Andrew Farris decided that he also wants to jump in on it wow. from excess. So, which here I am, a little little baby in a, in a <laughs> sea of just insane musicians, insane careers. Um, and it was just an absolutely awesome experience, a great way to kick off the EP coming out and just just so great to be around those guys. They're all so humble, had great stories to tell and they were just really kind of supportive of me throughout that period, um, which was great. Um, so we did that show and all of us had COVID at the time but didn't know. Um, so that was awesome. Um, oh, shit. Yeah, that was a great festival. And what, none of you were sick? Like, Oh, it was like... <laughs> right. And everyone was just like, that festival, I don't know a single soul that didn't walk away having COVID. And that was the first time I got it. And then I was I was wrecked. Like it it hurt yeah. me hard. Um, and then following that, I went to I got to tour with the Wolf Brothers. Wow, which was awesome. So we did three shows together, um, which was really great because I was originally supposed to tour with them a couple of years ago, and then everything got mm-hmm. um, 
through their Queensland tour and the borders closed. And that stung because that was going to be a huge boost to my career and I wasn't sure if I was ever going to get a chance to, yeah. to, to kind of do that again. And then when they reached out and said, do you want to do um, the Central Coast show, the Sydney show and the Wollongong show, I was like, yep. And Sign it, it me was up. so good. It was yeah. like it was just amazing. It came at a great time. Like the EP had just come out, and it was just it was perfect timing. Um, and I love those guys. I've written heaps of songs with them. Um, we were supposed to be writing again tomorrow, but now it's been pushed back um, to the new year. But I, we write all the time, which is great. Um, and they're just awesome guys, um, and really happy to kind of like pay it forward. And so being on their shows was incredible. I learned so much just from watching them entertain and the way they they um, interact with the crowd. I hear again. that a lot. I hear a lot of artists who go out on these tours with these types of acts, you know, they might be, say, another tier above, whatever, yeah. however you want to describe it. But when you stand side of stage, it's all you got to do is sit there, just look, yeah, and, you just look watch. and take it in. And, and so night one, I was just like crapping myself on stage, just like this nervous wreck. And by night three, I was like, I jumped up, I was singing songs with them in their set. We were just mucking around on stage. And I was like, it really helped me get over that hurdle of um, the business side of my brain, wanting everything to be perfect and making sure that everything's going right Yeah. during the set. It was the first time I kind of left that brain to the side of stage and just got into my like creative mode, entertainment mode on stage. And I feel like I've really carried that now. That tour, even though it was just a mini tour, really kind of boosted my confidence on stage to go, you know what, just get on stage and just do what you do. like, And just knowing and you just, can do it. And have fun in the space. Yeah. Not Don't stand up there like a robot kind of yeah. thing. And so yeah. that really helped. And yeah, it's just been crazy. And so... I know we're so off topic, um, but coming back to the original question. So yeah, I just released music. Um, I think I had like 12 singles in a row before the EP came out and they were coming out like every three months. And so once the EP came out, I thought, you know, it's time to just reevaluate what kind of music I want to release, the, the style, the type of songs, and just kind of let the music kind of breathe for a little bit and then come back with some new music. It's actually been really hard for me. This is like this, it's only been like six months. It's been the longest period of time I haven't released music in, in years, like since 2019. But it's actually been really nice. Um, and now I feel like I'm writing better. And next year, we're going to do like a full kind of change of image, change of everything. And I feel like, especially because like I turned 30 this year and I feel like I've kind of, kind of changed myself I've grown up myself and I think it's now time to to move my music into like a different kind of bracket if that kind of makes yeah, no, sense I get that. like a different demographical bracket to match my life and what's going on and so therefore I feel like you know new images are needed new new press new promo new everything and so I just really wanted to give every that whole kind of like era of my 20s if you will just a bit of space before I kind of come back in next year with the with a new look at new still the same country music but just It'll, I feel like it's going to have a bit more maturity to it and a bit more, yeah, just, you know, something. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally get that. I mean, how old am I? 33. <laughs> but yeah, I used to I used to write, so, you know, the songs from when I was 20. I probably uh, would have, I'd be happy if I never heard them ever again. <laughs> um, you know, but yeah, you mature, you get older, you start writing, you experience different things. When you start experiencing different things, your songwriting definitely goes another yeah. direction. Yeah, I think the I think a good reset every couple of years is yeah. is what keeps people interested, keeps yourself interested. Yes. Um if you keep doing the same old thing, yeah. What's going to change? Nothing. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You brought up earlier Andrew Farris and you know the Whitlams and what's it like hanging out with those sorts of guys when you're you know playing a gig? It must be pretty cool. It's so cool. Like especially I think it was like second song in Andrew 
place never tear us apart. And I'm like, my God, like you wrote that song. Yeah. And yeah. here he is just sitting next to me, just, just playing it. Yeah. It's like, yeah. this is the most iconic song. And like, just, it's just incredible. And then it was really nice. Um, they're all just so down to earth. That's what I find. The people that have had like a crazy amount of success, when you have a conversation with them, they're just happy to tell stories. Yeah. And he was telling stories. He's telling stories about when he toured with Queen mm-hmm. and all these Freddie Mercury stories and all this stuff. And it's just like, my God, the life that you have lived. And now he lives, I think it's an hour outside of Tamworth yeah. on a huge farm, with nobody around him. And he said, this is... I just do country, he's been releasing some country stuff and he said, I just do country music because I just like it and I'm just doing it for me. Yeah. I don't care about anything else, I'm just doing it for me, I'm just releasing some stuff because I I just want to do it. And yeah, it's amazing how like humble he is and just like how like down to earth he is and the fact that he's like, yeah, he said after living such a high lifestyle and a high life for so long, it was great to just get back to buying, you know, a rusty old farm and getting my hands dirty and doing it up and, and turning it into something. For someone like him, I suppose he's just had, he's experienced everything in life. Yeah. And it's cool to think that he's experienced all these great things, met all these great people, he's gone all around the world and he's come full circle. And the most important thing to him is just living an hour out from Tamworth and writing songs like he probably did when he was a kid. Yeah. And a lot of people have that sort of lifestyle, you know, that, that simple kind of lifestyle. Mm. And they probably wish they were going around the world and all that. Yeah. But, hey, take a page from his book. He's just chilling out just like yeah. the rest of us. Yeah. And he just <laughs> said, like, you know, he he said for years we just lived from hotel to hotel. And he said, look, don't get me wrong. It was like – he said it was an unrealistic life. Mm. Everywhere you went, you were just kind of on this pedestal of, like – that everyone just worshipped the like this is the height of in excess we're talking about here. Everyone around the world just worshipped the ground they walked on. And he said you got to a point where it was just like, what is what is real life? Mm. Like what is it? Because this isn't it. This is not actually what real life is like. This is just thing. And obviously, like you know, he's friends with best friends with Michael, really good friends with Freddie. And so, you know, all these guys that passed away mm. that have had such an impact on on all of our lives. And then you forget that he actually knew. he actually knew them. He was yeah, friends with them. Like yeah. these are people that you know were in his life. Yeah. Um. It's just yeah. It's he's just such a humble, nice guy. Love to pick his brain. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, new music next year. Yep. Uh, I also saw you're on pretty good f- festival. I think it's this time next year. Isn't yeah. It? John is it John Williams? He's yeah. He's the headliner for it. So um, we're doing um, cruising country. Yeah. I've never yeah. been on a cruise. Neither have I. That's cool. So, okay, I did see that cruise and country, but I didn't. I didn't go investigating. I yeah. just saw the poster and stuff. Yeah. So it's like all these country acts yep. on a cruise ship. On a cruise ship for seven days. We go from Sydney to Noumea and another island that I've forgotten now, um, and come back. And basically, we just play shows. How good is that? And so. You just do the one show or you play it every night? No, or? so I've got – my contract says I'm playing up to six shows, but I had a chat to a couple of people that are on something similar this year and they, it's about four. Okay. Um, so about a show every second day-ish, um, which is cool. So I'm I'm doing more of the outside stuff. So um, there's a band with that and then I'll just play um, – I think it's like a couple of 45-minute sets 
and, and then drinking that. cocktails. And, yeah, and, and then just lounging about. Um, <laughs> so it's great. Like uh, my wife Sarah, she gets to come with me. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just going to be an awesome way to end the year next year. Yeah. Um, and then hopefully I'll get straight off the boat and straight into Mingara for uh, Carol's next yeah. year. <laughs> You're a very, very busy man. You're living the life at the moment, and you've got plenty of good stuff ahead. Bryce Sandy, thanks so much for jumping in my kitchen, no jumping worries. on the podcast, bringing all your gear around. <laughs> if it actually wasn't for you, this definitely wouldn't have happened. <laughs> no, thank you so much for having me. It's, it's great to um, to sit down and have a chat. Like we've, it's funny we've crossed paths that many times, but we never I actually. I feel like we've never actually really sat down and yeah, had a chat about down music had, or anything. Had a good chat, and obviously I know your brother Nick so well, and, yeah. and your dad. And um, yeah, no, I've, I've seen you perform a few times, and uh, you got some pipes. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> you too. I've said you perform a few times. We've been on the same thing a few yeah, times. Yeah, we have. Too, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll have to tee up something one day in the near, near future. Sounds good to me. <laughs> Bryce, Sunny, thank you. No worries. Thank you. There he is, Bryce Sainty, a special fella, a nice guy, a real stand-up dude. Check him out on Spotify. Don't forget his EP, Hometown. It came out this year. It's got a bunch of good tracks, including Sunday Best, the one that he he says is his best or his favourite song. Make sure you check it out on Spotify. All right, now it's time for this. Yeah, don't forget this is the part of the show called Letters. You can write on in, say whatever you want. And uh, I'll read it out. This one's for Rob. He just wrote very simply, very nice work, mate. Enjoy the podcast. Thank you for writing in. Also, I bumped into a good friend on Friday night, um, Wade Rose. I know he listens every week, so g'day, Wade. Wade wants me to get one of the fellas from Children Collide on the show. That is one of his requests. Don't forget, if you go to the website, thestreetpresspodcast.com, forward slash request you can put a request in for an artist Uh, i've got one coming up in a few weeks that someone put in and hopefully one that's going to follow that as well so there have been a few requests that i've been looking at if you request an artist i go on the hunt i uh i try and track these people down and try to get them on the show that is my uh promise to you and wade rose uh he wants to get one of the guys who used to be in the band Children Collide, and uh, I have reached out, and uh, I've got a feeling I know why Wade wants him on the show because he knows him very well. Uh, I think it's one of his best friends. So, <laughs> Wade, I have sent a message to you, mate, so uh, make sure that he gets back to me. Also, I just want to say a big thank you to everyone who turned up to the Sunken Monkey to see the Ritzy Kids perform their first hometown show. It was a spectacular night on Friday. I want to say thanks to JC Entertainment for setting up the venue. Um, Sean at the Sunken Monkey Hotel for letting us put on the gig. Star Generation, Kailani Artists, who were the sports on the night. It was a wonderful way to wrap up this year. The Ritzy Kids, check the band out. If you don't know, actually... Um, a lot of the songs in between the podcast, that is the Ritzy Kids, if you're only just finding that out now. <laughs> Check us out, theritzykids.com. We're going to be back bigger and better in the uh, in the new year, and we're going to be releasing a bunch of singles. We've got one ready or on its way in January, and they're going to hopefully follow every six to eight weeks after that. Um, check it out. And don't forget, next week, the final episode of the year, It's going to be a special one. We might even give something away in the letter segment. So I'm going to collectively grab all the letters here, all of these letters, and uh, pick one, pick out the best one, and maybe give something away. So if you want to write on in, head to thestreetpresspodcast.com. I'll catch you next week. Ta-da. 